Hello and welcome to The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24. Each week, the sharpest minds and freshest thinkers in finance take you beyond the numbers and hype, right to the heart of the big issues of the day. Today, we're bringing you something a little different. On last week's programme, we dipped into the UBS Global Wealth Management CIO Q4 outlook and, amongst other insights, we talked private markets and hedge funds with Antoinette Zeidwerch, alternative investment strategist in the CIO. Well, Antoinette is back this week to share further private market insights. This time we're focusing in on the longer-term investment theme of the food revolution. Later, we'll hear from one of our regulars, Wayne Gordon, too, to dig into some of the other investment implications. But we start with Antoinette. She's here to unpack a recent blog she crafted that explores some ideas around private markets and the food revolution. Here she is. My name is Antoinette Zuidweg and I am alternative investment strategist at UBS in the CIO and I mainly cover private markets. Dinner is served on a petri dish. Feeding the world is one of the greatest challenges of mankind. The latest estimates by the United Nations Food and Agricultural Organization show the world will need to increase food production by 60% by 2050 to sustain a total population of 9.3 billion. The recent pandemic and the ongoing war in Ukraine have also exacerbated questions about food independency. Part of the solution could be cultivated meat. Consumer behavior is changing and there is increased adoption of alternative protein sources amid concerns for health, the environment and animal welfare. Governments are also turning friendlier towards alternative protein technologies. In September, President Biden signed an executive order to launch a biotechnology and biomanufacturing initiative. This included support for food made of cultured animal cells. Currently, key hubs for the development of cultured meats are the US, Israel, the Netherlands and Singapore. While several countries stimulate investments and developments of cultured meat, So far, Singapore is the first and only country to approve cultured meat for consumption. McKinsey estimates that the market could grow to 25 billion American dollars by 2030, or as much as half a percent of the world's meat supply. The market, however, is likely to remain smaller than that for plant-based protein. UBS estimates plant-based protein alternatives could reach an 85 billion market cap by 2030, already today representing almost half a percent of the global meat market. The private market for cultured meat. President Biden's executive order is timely for a market that is mainly accessible for investors through private markets. 2021 marked a record year for global venture funding in cultivated meat, when, according to PitchBook, startups collected around almost $2 billion across 86 deals. The cultivated protein category experienced the sharpest increase in deal activity in 2021 compared with the wider alternative protein market. Deal activity in 2022 shows 28 deals collecting $770 million as of June, on track to reach about 60 deals by end of year, reaching only two-thirds of deals completed in 2021. But This year marks commercial productivity milestones for cultivated meat. Several startups are pushing forward, exploring new distribution agreements, raising funds to build large manufacturing facilities, or launching hybrid products of cultivated and plant-based meats 
to reduce costs. In March 2022, Israeli startup Supermeat raised 70 million and entered a partnership with Swiss retailer Micros to produce and distribute cultivated meat products at scale. In the US, cultured meat company Ejust submitted a request for approval for consumption to the FDA. Meanwhile, cell production startup Prolific Machines, which aims at scaling production for cultured cell development and creating an assembly line for cultured meat, raised $42 million in the Series A round. Alt protein startups raising funds in the second half of 2022 may enter a more challenging fundraising environment, in line with challenges we see for VC fundraising overall. However, cultivated protein as a category has experienced the sharpest annual VC deal activity in 2021 and is on the rise. Startup activity in the sector is likely to be a leading driver for regulation enabling more commercialization as startups continue to navigate this potentially large opportunity. A long way from lab to supermarket. While support from policymakers and private investors has increased, technological, regulatory and scalability challenges remain. And it will take time before everyone can purchase a cultured salmon or steak in supermarket. For consumers to accept cultured meat as a viable replacement for animal meat, prices need to decline. And while production costs have dropped by 99% in the past decade, cultured meat is still likely to sell at a premium once it reaches the shelf. Cell line development is also time and resource intensive. Bioprocessing requires significant energy and is still conducted in small batches. But being created in a controlled and sterile environment could mean that cultured meat should hold fewer antibiotics and have lower environmental impacts than traditional livestock farming. Consumers interested in such products mention reducing meat intake and becoming more environmentally friendly as key reasons to increase their consumption of meat alternatives. Investment considerations. For cultured meat to reach the dining table, policy support is an important step forward, but the journey remains long. Cultured meat needs to taste good, be scalable, and have the same nutritional benefits of conventional meat. And importantly, be accessibly priced. Energy efficiency is a key point to be addressed as well, especially in the current environment of rising energy costs. The fundraising environment is also becoming more challenging for startups and more downruns are to be expected moving forward. Early stage startups with financing may be less affected by current market movements, but in all cases, investors should be aware that investing in cultivated meat firms is a long duration position, which will require heavy capex investments as the company grows. For those interested in investing in the sector, patience is required, as well as an acknowledgement that cultured meat is in its infancy. There is still a lot of technology and regulation that needs to be de-risked. Antoinette Zeidwerk, thank you very much. Well, before we go, let's check in with one of our programme regulars, Wayne Gordon, Senior Cross-Asset and Commodity Strategist in the UBS CIO and an expert on the food revolution and agricultural yields, longer-term investment themes. 
Wayne, we've heard from Antoinette there with some of the interesting sort of private market opportunity here. But if we just take a step back, first of all, just remind us about, I know you look at lots of these longer term investment themes that kind of are relevant in this space, things like the food revolution, looking to improve and transform agricultural yields. These are critically important thematics, aren't they, for canny investors to be keeping across? Just tell us why they're so interesting, why you and your colleagues are always fascinated to get stuck in and and understand more about them. You are very right to say that these are incredibly important, in fact, vital investments that we need to make over the next number of years. Now, we need to make these investments for a few reasons. Firstly, as populations increase, incomes increase, clearly the demand from the agricultural sector continues to rise. At the same time, we have competing issues with respect to deepening weather volatility as a relation of climate change, as well as trying to halt deforestation to achieve our climate outcomes or our climate targets. But not only that, of course, but to protect the environment and the biodiversity of the world that we live in. Now, these things are essential for life itself. And of course, food is very much in building a sustainable food supply chain. As we saw during the early stages of the COVID-19 crisis, the breakdown of food supply chains caused enormous issues and significant price changes around the world. And so given that experience, we need to not just focus on climate change and the, the issues that surround that, that food impacts on, but we also need to focus on improving food security, not just for for developed countries, but in particular for developing countries, which have not only just been impacted by COVID, but have also been impacted by the war in Ukraine and and geopolitics more generally. So I come back to my initial uh, comments that these things are vital and there's a, a significant number of opportunities or channels that people can look at with respect to food revolution, but also with respect to these new innovations that are coming in food, such as the lab-based proteins, for example, so alternative proteins and alternative um, foodstuffs that are more sustainable, that do take into account animal welfare issues that are kinder to the climate and kinder to biodiversity in our world around us. And so nothing could be more vital than those particular elements. Yeah, it's absolutely fascinating, Wayne. And it was really instructive to hear from Antoinette about some of the background, particularly in cultured meats. That's where she was focusing. And and just on that, I guess it's demonstrative of exactly the points you're making there, Wayne. It's really exciting. There's lots of opportunity. But I guess as with lots of areas like this, there are counterpoints. There are things to bear in mind. And Antoinette spoke about those. I wondered if you could just add a, a reflection on that, because it's obviously something that's going to require a lot more capital investment over a longer duration. We need to remember that in things like lab-based meats in particular, it's still a pretty young technology and the advances are changing all the the time. And there are also things like regulatory concerns, which are very relevant in in that space. So I guess we need to temper our enthusiasm for the opportunity and the good that can come out of this with a a little bit of a reality check just about some of the more quotidian details that investors also need to be mindful of. So how I look at investing in this particular sector more generally, the one thing that the uh, recent headwinds that we found, particularly in early stage uh, sectors, uh, is as those costs of capital continue to rise, many of the companies in these sectors are really struggling. And 
the key for clients to be invested in and, and investors to continue to take a look at this space is to diversify along the supply chain. And that's something that is not just for this sector, but for other sectors, which are clearly vital to the transition to a low carbon economy as we try to hit our climate change targets. So making sure that we've invested along the supply chain, not just in some of these very groundbreaking moonshot style products and and possibilities, but also focusing on those companies and those areas which have significant gains to be made with technology that's already well proven. And I make the point with respect to this in areas like satellite imaging, for example, which is making significant inroads into how we think about crop nutrition, how we think about maximizing the level of application of of fertilizers and so forth, as well as making better predictions of climate, for example, to give farmers and uh, other people along the supply chain a heads up that there could be difficulties coming ahead in certain areas, certain countries with certain crops so that supply chains can be adjusting so we don't end up with these huge dislocations such as we witnessed during COVID-19. So those sort of technologies, even imaging technology in crop uh, fields themselves, right? Um, Automotive machinery, for example, these elements which are emerging technologies, which are well proven, have positive spin-offs in other segments of our lives, which are now being extended into food production and agriculture more generally. These are areas where very quick gains can be made. Very large, well-known companies are involved with good balance sheets. So it's a matter of getting that mix in a portfolio right with having some of these moonshot opportunities that we talk about in future protein that uh, has been discussed, but at the same time buttressing your portfolio with these technologies which are proven, highly profitable and delivering gains today, not in the future. Wayne Gordon, thanks to him as ever. And a special thanks this week to Antoinette for bringing some of her recent research and writing to life in such colour for us this week. That's all for the programme, as ever, setting the agenda in the fast-moving world of finance each week. You can listen again and explore more at monocle.com. That's where you can join the club by subscribing to Monocle magazine. You can also follow this programme wherever you get your podcasts and you can discover more and find out how UBS can help you at ubs.com. I'm Tom Edwards. Thanks for listening.